This is episode number 122 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become more confident in professional speakers and presenters. This is podcast number 122. And on this podcast, the, we're going to talk about how to write words that sell a product or service, basically do your copywriting on the, on the backside. Now, I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are folks who have their own organizations. Maybe they're professional speakers or trainers or they're creating e-courses or writing books and they want to be able to promote those things online. Uh, I'll give you some of the tips that I use to help people to help um, kind of win people to my way of thinking when I'm uh, promoting a product or service. Um, this actually is a very cool topic. It goes along with a, a topic that I presented, I don't know, maybe about a year or so ago. It was how to create a presentation that, um, that promotes a product or service. And so this will be the written part of that though. This would be your marketing documents, the, your things like email and web pages and blog posts and social media posts and those kind of things. So this will show you some, some pretty good tips on how to do those things. Podcast is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. And I have a really cool special uh, for the coronavirus problem that's going on right now. A lot of people are stuck at home. They're working from home. They have a little bit more free time than what they've ever had before because they're not commuting into the office and, and they're looking for some things to do. This is a good time to sharpen the ax. And so we're offering uh, one of our fun podcasts because it's a good time for humor. It's how to add humor to your speech. It's a really fun podcast. It's really funny too. Uh, and uh, we're going to give you a, a special uh, discount on that. So if you just go to fearlesspresentations.com slash humor, that'll take you to a special webpage just for the podcast viewers that are listeners that, um, that will uh, give you a, a nice discount on that course anyway. All right. So let's get on with today's podcast. Hey, so our topic today is words that sell or how to write words that sell a product or service. And this is, this one's one of those topics that I've been meaning to do for a long time. It's a little bit outside of what I normally teach as far as with fearless presentations, because on fearless presentations, we're talking about how to, how to speak more effectively, how to present in a more poised way or a more professional way. But there is a, another component to the speaking or the speech. It's the written document. So it could be a handout that you give, or it could be a, uh, the web post or the web page that you use to promote yourself as a speaker, or it could be um, uh, some social media posts that you're using to promote a, a speech or something like that. Any of those kind of things will be, uh, you, can, you can get some help in designing those things on, on today's podcast. So um, we, in fact, we spent a lot of time using, you know, speech. Um, um, we've been talking about anyway, uh, how to use a speech 
or presentation to sell a product or service. So we're going to back up a little bit. We're talking about how to write copy, right? Add copy for that stuff. So, uh, so if you're writing an article that sells a product or service, if you're, um, this will really help you craft better text on your web pages, your emails, your presentation slideshows, social media posts, all that kind of stuff. Now, before we actually get started, before you start to write ad copy or marketing pieces, you have to really understand the reader. You have to understand the person who is going to be looking at this, this content. So back in 1994, I was a, a brand new graduate of college and my dad invited me to meet him in Fort Worth for this huge business conference. And, and when I walked into this thing, I was absolutely shocked because I walked into the, the uh, Tarrant County Convention Center in downtown Fort Worth and there were over 10,000 people in the audience and the agenda was jam packed with professional speakers. And at the time I had no idea that anyone could actually make a living uh, making make, you know, basically do speaking as a living. I, I, I didn't even know that existed. So this whole, this was a whole new world for me at the time. And one of the speakers was a guy named Bob Berg. He was a pretty young guy back then. Cause I think we're probably pretty close to the same age, maybe a little older than me, but, but he was a, he was this young new author and he had just released a book called at, at the time. Anyway, it was called endless referrals and he was mesmerizing. He was, he was, he had this trademark phrase that he kept using over and over again from the stage. And, and since I saw him on stage deliver this presentation, I have come across this exact phrase that he gets quoted so often for this phrase. And it's because it's, come a, it's become a, a standard in the business world over the last couple of decades. Um, and if you understand and design your written text and your verbal content based on the words that Bob gives us, then your audience will absolutely love you. So this is what Bob said from stage. He said, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people who they know, they like, and they trust. So you got to remember that when people see something that you write for the first time or they hear you speak for the first time, they don't know you, they don't like you, and they certainly don't trust you. So if, if in, in fact, because of all the online kind of kind of gimmicks that are out there, you can assume that you're starting at a significant level of distrust. You there, if people are seeing your your written content on a web page, for instance, for the first time, there's a there's a a significant chance that they actually distrust what you say. They're going to be very skeptical of what you're saying just because of all the crap that's out there on the internet. So if you understand that concept, you understand that you have to get people to know you, like you, and trust you, and you use your content and the things that you say as a speaker to help people work through that, then you're going to be a much better speaker. You're also going to be a much better marketer for, your, for yourself when you're, when you're writing ad copy. So um, the other thing that you have to keep in mind is that you have to realize that people are pretty self-centered. Now, for the most part, Human, being, human beings, a person just in general is pretty self-centered. We're actually hardwired that way. And, and by the way, you don't need to be offended by that statement. You know, sometimes I'll say, I'll say things like that and folks will go, oh, not me, right? If you understand where I'm coming from, it makes sense. There's really no need to be offended by, by the statement. Let me kind of explain. So some folks will, will say, sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I care more about my relationship with God than myself, or they might say something like, you know, my family is more important to me. Now, you can still be self-centered and both of those statements still be true. 
For instance, I believe that my relationship with God is the absolutely most important part of my existence. I, I mean, I, for instance, I'm a, I'm a God family country kind of person, you know, in that order, uh, you know, so I, I like to think of myself as putting myself third behind or fourth really behind my, behind my, my God, my family and, and my country. So, and, and I love God because God absolutely gave me a gift. Um, and I, and I believe that is true. You know, I, I, the reason I believe that though is because I really want to go to heaven, not hell, right? So even though that is a, a an altruistic type of, of um, belief, it's a, a higher calling, I, there's still a self-centered part of human nature that makes us want to do that. Does that, does that make sense? So when, so like, for instance, if, if somebody, if a person is going to give time or give money to a charity, a lot of times we do that because we feel good when we help other people. It's a, it's a, there is a self-centered reason why we're doing that thing for, for other people. The point is, is that, that um, when when we hear a person speak or read text that's written by the person, we tend to focus on ourselves. We tend to focus on us. We immediately in our head, we're thinking, how in the world is this information going to help me? <laughs> and if we can't answer that question really quickly, we kind of turn out. So if you, if you, if you understand this, you can write words that sell, you can, you can, you, because you can really focus on what the audience wants. So you, the audience wants to know, Hey, what's in this for me? They that's, that's the critical thing. And if you can answer that question for them right off the bat, they're going to listen to you a little bit longer. They're going to read what you've written a little bit longer. Um, the other thing that is really important to, to get across up front is that the audience doesn't care a whit about how great you are. And a lot of times we think that the opposite is true. Many of us will, will kind of fill out parts of our, of our ad copy or written copy, especially like the about us page on our websites with how great we are. Most of the time, this is, this is placed at the very beginning of whatever it is that we're writing. And I, and I got to admit, I fell into this trap years ago. My, my, when my company first started growing, we had a number of consultants that were sending out different proposals. And so if I, I had, at the time, I probably had about 20 different consultants that worked for the company and each one of them were creating their own separate proposal based on, you know, what, what they thought was, was kind of best. And it wasn't really creating a, 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 an efficient message to the audience, to the, to the world. Uh, there were just too many different versions of it. And so at, at some point I kind of determined, hey, and you know what, I'm going to standardize this. I'm just going to give everybody a, a template that they can use. So I, I created this proposal template that I thought was pretty effective. And um, he, I, I'm going to read this word for it. This is exactly what I put in the first paragraph of that template. <laughs> by the way, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you a person's natural reaction to this as well. So I'm going to read, you, read to you what I wrote. This is what I wrote. And I gave out to my consultants and they gave out to thousands of people. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you like the reaction that somebody might have when they read this for the first time. So the very first sentence was the leaders Institute is a group of professional speakers and trainers averaging over 15 years of experience in communication, leadership, and public speaking. And parenthetically, I would say, you know, if I were reading that, I would think I would be thinking, well, I would hope so. You're a professional speaking company. You know, that obviously, duh, right? Um, the next phrase was, or the next sentence was, we've conducted tr tr training programs for thousands of different companies. And 
my reaction to that human nature reaction would be, well, aren't you awesome? Right? <laughs> you want some applause? Woohoo! Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, and municipalities, including uh, including many well-recognized names such as Capital One, Shell, Halliburton, Coca-Cola, GE, E-Trade, Boeing, the U.S. Defense Department, NASA, the Red Cross, the U.S. Secret Service, the FBI, the DEA, and dozens of other government branches and departments. So I had this long laundry list of, of organizations that had hired us before. And, and of course, the natural reaction to that was like, well, if you are so successful, <laughs> you certainly don't need to do work with me, right? And I got to I got to admit, I'm, I'm embarrassed that we sent that document out to thousands of potential clients. And, and even though we learned to start with what the potential customer really wants um, later on, we still spent years wasting everybody. Well, I mean, just kind of sending that out anyway. So it, it, the thing is, is that that is not the way that you want to start your written content. It's, it, you sh it shouldn't be bragging about how great you are. Um, by the way, you'll get a chance to, to um, let your, your audience know about your credibility, but if you do it in a little bit different way, it will help you build your credibility without really sounding like you're bragging. And we'll, we'll kind of cover that later in the, later in the, in the, um, the episode here. Um, so let me just, so basically those are the things that you want to really, kind of keep in mind that those are big mistakes that people make then there's one more kind of big mistake that a lot of times folks will make when they are writing ad copy and and this one's the really big one is that you have to realize that the audience doesn't want to buy what you're selling and that's typically a shock to most people you know people don't want to spend their hard hard-earned money just to buy things right uh, and now they do want the result that spending that money will get them though. You know, and sometimes folks will kind of stop me here. They'll say, well, wait, Doug, wait, wait, wait. I just, I love to shop. I love to spend money. And, and yeah, the process of shopping does cause the brain to, to release serotonin. And so as a result, you make actually feel better when, when you shop. However, we're not really talking about the actual process of shopping. We're, we're actually talking about the actual items themselves, the items, the services, that the, the person is buying. For instance, give an example. I, I mean, I absolutely hate to mow the lawn. I did it. So, I mean, I did it for a job when I was a teenager and that kind of thing. And, and I'm really good at it. I'm, I'm good at mowing the lawn. I just hate it. I hate it. It's a waste of my time. I feel like, but I, and in addition to that, by the way, I don't really want to pay somebody to mow my lawn for me. So I don't want either of those things. Right. So I have to make a comparison. So I have to compare, okay, do I hate my lawn more then I want to keep my money. And the answer to that is yes, I do. I hate to mow the lawn more than I want to keep the money. And so as a result, I pay a guy to mow my lawn for me. It's not because I want the lawn mowed. It's because I don't want to have to do it. That's the, I mean, it's, I feel like it's a waste of my time, right? To, to do it. I always feel like it's kind of undone. You know, it's like, you go and you mow the lawn and the heck you got to do it again next week. Right. So it's, it's kind of frustrating to me. So the, the, there, when you're selling a process or a service or a product to somebody, you have to keep in mind that it's not the actual product that people are buying. It's not the actual service that people are buying. It's the solution. It's the, it's that fix to that problem that they're experiencing. That's what has value. Um, I'll give you another example. I typically trade in my car about every three years or so. And going to a car lot is absolutely torture to me. I hate, I hate 
negotiating. I hate all that stuff. So I usually wait until I absolutely have to. And in fact, the last time I traded in a car, it was because I had put the car in the shop like three times the last six months. So, and I didn't really want to buy a new car, but I did want to stop having to go back and forth to the mechanic. So instead of thinking about how to sell your product or service to people, think about the problem that you solve for them. If you, if you can help your audience see how their problem will be solved, they're more likely to buy from you. So if you understand those concepts before you even start to design your, your content, you'll typically do a whole, whole lot better. Okay, so let's talk about how to actually do that. How do you show your audience that you're a problem solver, that you can fix one of these problems? And so, so just as a recap, so selling and marketing are absolutely never about convincing people to spend money on your product or service ever. It's not, it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to convince you to part with your money. I'm not trying to convince you to spend money on my product or my service. Instead, what selling is, is it's identifying a problem that your prospective customer has and then showing that person how the fee that they pay you is less painful than continuing to, to experience that problem. In some situations, the value of the solution is obvious, by the way. So for instance, if, if four managers meet quarterly to plan their next business meet, quarter or whatever, they're, they, they're, they're, they're doing a quarterly meeting and, and they're, they're planning ahead and they've got, uh, and if they do that every quarter and they have travel fees, those, those fees to do that are going to be pretty substantial. So if the managers met virtually in like a Zoom meeting, the cost of that solution would be way less than the actual travel and the time to meet in person. So that there is an obvious benefit to that, that virtual meeting. Now, in other situations, though, the problem is going to be a little less obvious. So uh, let me give you a few examples and maybe, maybe the, the type of thing that you're trying to sell is similar to one of these, but I'll, I'll give you kind of a problem. This, this would be a, a typical problem for a, a family. Um, let's say a, a, a four-person family has just a single bathroom. I remember those days. And school days are very challenging in the morning. Well, the solution to that's the problem, right? So the solution would be a house with three bathrooms. So it's amazing how often salespeople or realtors and marketing directors that work for realtors are going to waste words on things like price per square foot, curb appeal, all kinds of stuff that the people who are actually buying that house they don't care about that. Most they're, they're, the, the price per square foot or the resale value and stuff like that, yes, someday that's going to be important. But today, I mean, it's not, most of the time they're probably thinking they're going to live in that house at least, you know, like 10 years, right? And so they're not really thinking about their, their resale value at, at the, the day that they buy it. What they are concerned about, though, is fixing that bathroom line problem. <laughs> so the marketing, the stuff that we're writing should be about helping people fix that problem. Find a problem that somebody is likely to be experiencing and then write your ad copy about that thing. I'll give you another one. Um, this is happening with one of the, the folks in my office right now. They, she gets the spinning wheel of death on her computer screen all the time. That spin, you know, that, that wheel that when your computer is thinking. And uh, well, the solution to that is a computer with a faster processor. Uh, and by the way, here's just a free tip because this is something that took me for, I'm a, I like to think of myself as being a computer guy, but I actually didn't know this until just the last few months. There are a number of generations of computer processors out there. 
the processor generation will determine how fast or slow your computer is. It's the analogies. It's kind of like the phone connection speeds, you know, like 4G versus 3G. And, and if you, if you continually get that spinning wheel of death on your computer, you most likely have an older processor. Um, so a, a marketing piece or a sales rep who explains this will be using words that are going to help him or her actually get people to buy that, that computer. I had one of the, the reason why I know this, by the way, is because I came across a really good sales rep. A really good sales rep kind of told me about what the Pentium I's represent, the different numbers after them. There's I3 and I7 and I8 and I9 and all that kind of stuff. And once he explained that to me, I was like, oh, crap, man, okay, no wonder the, sometimes the computers that I'm getting are that are uh, that look identical, but I, they're $200 cheaper. The reason why they're cheaper is because it's an older processor and it's going to be slower. Anyway, so just kind of keep that in mind is that um, that's a solution. That spinning wheel of death is the problem. Show them how they can fix the spinning wheel of death. Um, here's another one. Um, if you're an accountant, um, the, the, maybe the problem is that your potential client is at a risk of being audited by the IRS. And the solution, obviously, is hiring an accountant. So an accountant. So many accountants will tell, they're going to tell their prospective customers about liquidity and profit and loss statements and balance sheets. And most people will respond with, so I don't, I don't, I don't even know what that stuff is, right? If the accountant is, is talking about how, hey, I can keep you from being audited by the IRS and that person is going to respond with, okay, I don't care what it costs at that point. That, I totally want, I will totally pay for that, right? So the, the key to writing words that sell is that you, you, you want to focus on what the audience wants to accomplish. You want to focus on helping them solve that problem. So here, these are a few tips that you can use to, to do that, by the way. So um, when you start, when you start to design a, an email, when you start to design a blog post, when you start to design a brochure, a presentation, slideshow, a social media post, any of those kind of things, you want to answer these questions. You want to answer, number one, what problem is my viewer experiencing? Or what problem is my potential viewer experiencing? Secondly, how can my product or service solve this problem? And then finally, is the price that I'm asking less than the pain of continuing to experience that problem? If you could come up with the answers to each one of those three questions, now all of a sudden you can spend a few minutes at that point designing your, your marketing content and people are going to love it. So the moment you have clear answers to each of these questions, your marketing pieces, they're, they're pretty much going to write themselves. Remember that, that marketing is really, it's a type of communication. So your goal is to communicate your solution to the reader clearly and succinctly. Um, so in the next part, of this series, I'm going to show you how to kind of craft your text next in your marketing pieces. That way, so once you kind of figure out what you want to say, I'll show you how to craft the words so that that the human brain kind of sees and says, "Oh, wow, I really want that." The human brain has a very certain way that it likes to receive information, and I'll give you a big hint as to what we're going to cover on the next one is that most people will never, ever, ever read every word that you write. <laughs> so if you want to write words that sell, you have to make it easy for people to read it. You have to make, make it easy for people to understand it. If you do that, now all of a sudden your, your marketing pieces are really going to thrive. Anyway, so we'll cover that on the next session.
Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.